this is really just an introduction into this series that we hope will address even some of these issues in our hearts and our spirits. I I fought with the title of using the the, the title of the fivefold ministries because sometimes it has left a a, a bad taste in our mouths. It's it's obviously not something that's used as in this not called the fivefold ministries in the Bible. I thought about calling the five streams, and I'm going to probably refer it to as the five streams of organic life in a church, and I'll explain what that means. But I really do believe that God has laid it on our hearts to learn more about these five particular gifts that God has given us, these these opportunities to, to serve. And as we explore this over the how many weeks that there is to come, you know, there's going to be room for some questions and things like that. And maybe during the week we'll find some ways that we can have conversations because this is going to stir up a lot of things in our hearts. Because I think it's, it's a challenging message for all of us to, to really dive into the scriptures and see what these gifts mean for us today in this particular body, us. The people that have chosen to, to, to join together in hearts and spirits and say what, how we can affect our community and, and communities that we live in. That's, that's the heart behind it. But in order to pull that off, we're going to need God's help. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you are already here, that you are already ministering to us, and that you will continue to minister through us and to us as we explore your word. I ask it again that you would empty me of me and speak only your words. Your truth, your revelation, the, the things that you want us to know about your heart. We need you. We need you for this. We need to understand how we are to move forward. Leaving orphan spirits behind. Leaving rejection behind. We need to know how to move forward as sons and daughters of the Most High. And this is a part of it. And we need your help for it. So we ask for it. We ask for your wisdom. We ask for your strength. And we ask that we would have grace with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, I want you to use your imaginations again this morning. I want you to imagine only having 40% of your lung capacity right now. Just 40%. You would be fighting for every breath right now. Every moment of your, of your life, you would be fighting for your breath with 40% of, of lung capacity. Now apply that to any one of your other four senses. Any body function. Any part of your body. If you only had 40% use of that particular function or, or, or a sense, wow, you'd be one impaired human being. It'd be really difficult to, 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 to be a, a vibrantly alive. It would be difficult. Not impossible, but it would be difficult. When I think, when I look at the five gifts that God has expressed in Ephesians 4, and realize that we basically we are only using 40% of those gifts. For the most part, for the, ever since the, the early church, something has happened. Whereas three of the five gifts are almost hardly ever talked about, hardly ever discussed or even appropriated. We have concentrated mostly, mostly in the American church on the pastor. 
pastoral gift. And the teacher. And occasionally we throw the evangelist in there, but usually he's an outside resource that comes in every once in a while to stir things up. It's never usually really taught about as being actually a part of a local congregation, a local body of believers that have joined together. I don't want to operate on 40% anymore. And I don't think God wants us to. But I think he wants us to really understand these gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher in a, in a way that maybe, maybe we haven't quite understood before. Or maybe we've been afraid to because of, of past abuses. Now, and during the charismatic movement, there was a lot of abuse with, with, with the apostle prophet end of things. There was many abuses, and I'm not even going to go into them today. We might bring them up during the course of this study, but I want to talk, talk about the, these gifts and how important they are. And thank you for putting my notes back up here. appreciate that. Let's go to Ephesians 4. I'm going to read from the very beginning. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all. Oh, I'm so glad he's Father. Who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Can I just stop there for a minute? The picture that Paul is giving here is the picture of when Jesus went into the very bowels of hell took the keys away from the enemy and led a host of captives free. The picture is one of what Romans used to do in that time. They used to march those who they have conquered or even freed like a big parade. This is the picture. Jesus is parading his power and his redemption here saying, you know, death did not stop me. This is what I accomplished. This is what I did. It's important to note that. that. And he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all things, all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we have all attained the unity of the faith, the oneness of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, to enlarge, to increase. In every way unto him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped, when each part, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Wow. Every time it uses love in here, it is using the word agape love. God's love. The, the fullness of love. Agape love. The wonderful thing about this picture that, that Paul is describing here is the fact that Jesus himself did all this. The fullness of that, what he's talking about, Jesus walked in each and every one of those giftedness. The fivefold ministry really is a picture of how Jesus works in his ministry. So here, here's, here's one. He is the great apostle and priest sent by Father to rebuild lives. That's Hebrews 3.1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He is also the prophet promised by Moses in the Old Testament thousands of years before Jesus walked the planet. In Deuteronomy 18.15 it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him that you shall listen to. And he is the greatest evangelist that ever lived. The greatest evangelist that ever lived. No, Lance was an evangelist this morning. He tried really hard to be an evangelist this morning. He actually brought a cop right into our parking lot today. Yeah, that's right. That's got not that number down. And but he invited him to come into church. Right? Right? But Jesus is the greatest evangelist that ever lived. Who came preaching the good news with the words of life. Luke four, eighteen through nineteen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, he has aposteloed me. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the, years of the, the year of the Lord's favor. We prayed that for this one. We prayed for favor this morning. That's what we prayed for. And he is the great shepherd who gave his life for the sheep and equips them for service. Remember the word equip means to get ready for a voyage. To get ready for a trip. Hebrews 13, 20-21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good gift that you may still do his will, working in us, which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And he is the ultimate rabbi, the great teacher who amazed everybody with his ability to communicate the word of God. John 3, 2, you talk about Nicodemus coming to him saying, The man came to Jesus by night, Nicodemus, and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. 
Because nobody does the things you do unless he's with God. Jesus was sent. He was a prophet that revealed hearts. He was an evangelist that spoke life. He was a shepherd demonstrating great love and compassion. And he was a teacher. Over, over 29 times in the New Testament, he, he is addressed as a teacher. All these gifts he operated in, freely operated in, all the time. So what does that mean for us? Then? If Jesus walked in these ways, and we are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, it leads me to believe that, that we are to follow him in those gifts as well. These are the gifts, the ministry Gifts that God wants us to use to perfect our walk so that we can serve our King and love like the Father. It is the way that we can edify. That's what he says here in Ephesians. It is the way that we can build each other up. It is the way that we can encourage each other. Why? So that we can have unity between us. Not one of these gifts is greater than the other gift. Not one of them is greater than the other one. They're all supposed to work together. This is how we get to 100% effectiveness, efficiency, by operating in all these gifts. So, we want to explore this. We want to dive into this. And I talked about being organic. When I talk about being organic, I talk about being real. I talk about being authentic. I talk about growing. And I talk about being dynamic. That's when I, so I use that term organic. That's what it means to me. It means about being, being really alive. The, the scientific term is organic function. And organic function, all that really means is, is that there are signs that show that something's alive. This word of God is, is alive. The spirit of the living God is in us. We're alive. So why do we accept only 40% of life when we can have 100% of life? And maybe the orphan spirit or things like that pull us back a little bit. And we need to be set free. See, Jesus, in all those gifts that he walked around in, was never seeking a position. He already had one. He was the son of the Most High. He didn't need a position. So he used all those gifts for one thing, one and one purpose only. To serve. To give. See, these are the gifts that keep on giving. These are the gifts that always seek a place to give, a place to serve. And I think that's what we're going to try to discover that as we go throughout the whole series. It is important, and I want to make this a strong proclamation, so I'm going to read it as I wrote it. Okay. It is important to note that these gifts are meant to be servant roles, not power positions. These are meant to be servant roles, not power positions. There is a power and authority in each one of those gifts. But they are not power over people. They're power over the forces of darkness against the enemy. See, that is the proclamation that we must make. This is where I think we differ from what the errors that happened in the charismatic movement. See, they became power positions. But these are just servant roles. And that if we can operate in all of them, or we can recognize them, but even or not, I believe they're already in operation here. But we need to understand what they really are so that we know how to use these gifts effectively. And that is the heart of this series, is to explore these things from a lot of different levels, a lot of different viewpoints. But let's get to the heart of the matter. Remember that this is a, 
These are not power positions. They are servant roles. And the power and authority is not over people, just the, just the enemy himself. That's what the purpose is. All right? Okay. All right. So I have these, I have these very easy definitions uh, that maybe you can kind of keep in your mind uh, for all of these gifts. And they're going to be expanded on and, you know, uh, Mike Haas is have it, going to have a, a, kind of a little different look at it. Mike Kimball is going to have a little bit of a different look at it, I'm sure, as we go exploring this. But we're going to try to teach these from a different angles so that we can all get a greater picture of what these are. But here's my simple definitions of these, okay? Apostle. Apostle is a sent one. That's what the word essentially means. Apostello means sent one, okay? So really, they're, they're an ambassador. They're an ambassador. They're a dream releaser. They're a dream releaser. They're a life builder. In essence, apostles, the gift of apostles is to build things. To build things. A prophet is a, is a heart revealer. A guide to reveal the way. To, to open up people's hearts to the truth. An evangelist is, is a preacher, but he's also a storyteller. He's a storyteller. He's a gatherer. And he's a bringer of the good news. Those, those three gifts, they really seem geared to growing the church. To expanding the church. To expanding the work of God. Okay, The next two seem to be geared towards growing individuals. You know, a, a pastor, I like to, to kind of describe myself when I operate in the pastoral gift. That I'm a soul and heart shepherd. I'm really examining hearts, spirits, attitudes, just like a shepherd would examine the wool to to take out parasites, to take out things that could disease the sheep. So he's an examiner, and he's one who guards, and he's one who guides. A teacher, he's an instructor, but I like this term. The word, actually, teacher, in some of the Greek, some of the words they use for teacher actually means a word doctor. A physician. Bringing a word that heals. A word that brings health. So, so I'm hoping that maybe those, so, those simple definitions you can kind of keep in mind. And as we explore the, the fullness of these words, we can kind of gather a, a better lexicon, a better dictionary about what these words and about what these gifts really mean to us. Because we have 4,998 people to reach with the gospel. And we need, we need, they need to know this great God that wants to, to deliver them from an orphan spirit, from diseases, from their sins. So we need to have an understanding and appreciation for these gifts. So, these gifts, you know, Paul says that these, these, these gifts are given for these certain things. And he says, they're, they're for the equipping of the saints for the works of service. For, for building up the body of Christ to maturity. For bringing the whole church to unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To prevent the church from being deceived by false doctrine. And attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So I kind of broke it down there to, to the way I can understand what those things mean. And see if this, these resonate with you. So how does the understanding these gifts and, and appreciating these gifts and embracing these gifts, what does it mean for me? It means that I have to discover what works that I need to be equipped for. 
what does God want me to do? Now, the Great Commission is obviously before us every, every moment of our lives. To go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. That is the Great, that is the great Commission. We already know what we're supposed to do in life. That's it. That's our mission statement. But how does it apply to us here? How does it apply to me wherever I am? I need to know what God wants me to do. I need to, I need to understand it. And these giftings, believe it or not, can help me. Okay, we need to examine what areas of our life in Christ need maturing and growth. There's a big one. I need to understand where I need to grow up, where I need to mature in order for me to operate in the way that I'm supposed to operate so I can help you because we're all joined together. See, I love the person when he talks about being fitted together. He's talking, that's a mason term. It's a term about laying bricks close to each other and so tightly that you can't pass anything through the joint. It's a beautiful picture. We need to uh, work for unity among us, allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us how. You know, the Trinity is such a wonderful picture of unity. Father, Son, and Spirit working together for the redemption of mankind and for the, the freeing of our souls and the, and the freedom to become the people that God created us to be, the sons and daughters he wants us to be. We need unity because I need you to help me with this. And not just on Sunday morning. I just need you in my life. God has placed us together. There is a need for you in my life. And scary as it may seem, there's a need for me in your lives. <laughs> that might be a little scary for some of you. We'll pray for you later about that. All right, we need to work together and protect each other. You know, the enemy is a liar. We talked about this already. The enemy wants to come and rob, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and more abundantly. Well, we need to protect each other with the truth, right? With the truth. With this wonderful word that he's given us. And the encouragement that we get from it. And the truth that we get. We need to remind each other and protect each other. And we need to realize that this goal, to become totally full with Jesus Christ... To come to the great maturity of the fullness of him is a lifelong pursuit. It's going to take the rest of our lives. That's good. Because there ain't one of us here that could do that like this. But that's what's beautiful about that is that we get to journey with Christ in that. I think these gifts are meant to help us mutually submit to one another. Mutually submit ourselves to Father God so that that unity can happen, but also that we can begin to express the diversity of gifts that God has given us in the midst of this. Because there are, there are a diversity of gifts in this room and in the body of Christ itself. So we need to understand what unity does in, help, in helping diversity get expressed. That's also part of the study. Because to, 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 there's more than just these five gifts. We know this, right? There's a list of spiritual gifts that God has given us. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. The word gift and the word grace here is the same Greek word. Charisma. Charisma. And that word basically means an endowment. A gift. A supernatural gift that someone cannot earn. No one can earn this. We are given this. And the grace is a giving grace. That's why it uses the same word. 
the word I really am interested in there is the word steward. The word steward is, is, means a house manager, a business manager, but it implies a treasurer. That means that it's handling something very valuable, something of great worth, of great value. We have been given a spiritual gift. Some of us know what our giftings are. Some of us are yet to discover them. But the point is, each and every one of them is valuable because they the source of who we received this gift from. This gift is valuable. We're supposed to be good stewards of it, and we're supposed to be using it to serve one another. See, these are serving roles and gifts, not power positions. There's power and authority in those gifts, but not over each other, but over that enemy out there that we need to remind him of the truth. Okay, 2 Timothy 1.6. Paul is urging Timothy to stir up the gift that was in him when he laid hands on him. The image is that, you know, Timothy has gone through his own struggle, his own imprisonment, his own persecution. And he's at a low ebb of his life at this point. And Paul is encouraging his spiritual son to stir up his gifts. What he's basically saying, you have a little ember left of the flame I need you to blow on this thing. I need you to blow on it. I need you to actively do something. Okay? You need to be a good steward of the gift that was given to you. So blow on this thing. Get this thing going. Get this thing hot. Get this thing burning. Throw all the things on there that needs to to start this fire really going again. Stir up the gift that was given you because it's meant to serve. It's meant to give. It's not meant just for your benefit. It's going to help you out in the situation that you find yourself in. We say when we exercise our gifts, we do get the strength and the power and the authority to walk through the things that we're walking through. To remind the enemy who we are and remind ourselves who we are. So this is what Paul's saying. Stir these gifts up. So this is what the, the heart of this series is about. It's to stir these things up. Because you have been given... And you have received, according to your thesis, you have re- since you have received a gift. So you've already gotten it, according to the scriptures. Well, we might have to discover it, but we need to stir it up. Because I need your gifts to be operating at full capacity. 100% capacity. I need it. I need it. I have a friend who you might think is the unlikeliest evangelist slash apostle because he wouldn't accept those titles. But what he does, he's walking them. I'm talking about Paul Grimsland, who started Hope for Change. He went over to basically play in a concert to the Philippines, saw a great need. God moved on his heart, and he started something out of nothing. Paul would never, ever, ever call himself an apostle or an evangelist. However, he's walking in those giftings because he's building and he's spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. He's doing the work of an apostle. He's doing the work of an evangelist. But it's those giftings that are fueling that power and that authority in a very dark place in the Philippines. 
as, as simple as it seemed, the gift of evangelism was operating just, you know, 20, 30 minutes ago out in the parking lot. Because there was an invitation. And as Lance told me the story, the police officer hesitated for a moment and looked like he was thinking about coming in. Because he said, I need lots of help. That is the function, the gift. Oh, that tells me I'm done. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> I tried a new timer today just so I could stop. So perhaps it is a good time to stop. But you see, you're kind of getting a picture of what I'm hoping for in this series. I know it's going to, you're going to have questions. I hope you do. You know, send me the questions. Send Mike the questions. Send everybody the questions. I mean, we have a Facebook page for that. Kind of start a dialogue. Let's, let's exchange ideas and thoughts about this. Let's wrestle with these kind of things. Let's learn what the scriptures really say about it. But I do believe that these giftings still exist. Again, not as power positions. Okay? They're not power positions. Look, I enjoy the role of a pastor. Most of the time. I do enjoy it. It is one of my giftings. But I just exercised one of my other giftings just a little while ago. Okay? That's all God. That's not me. These are gifts that are endowed in us. They are given to us to give. Not to hold on to. Not to make a, a position out of it. Not to make a ministry out of but to minister from. So if we can understand what these giftings are a whole lot better, then we become what? Free. And people who are free are free indeed. And for freedom's sake, Christ set us free. I want more of that. I would love a 100% capacity of freedom, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the scriptures are telling us that this is one of the avenues, just one, this is just one of the avenues that we can experience more freedom. So why would we want that? I want it. Father, thank you for for your heart in this. Thank you for continuously teaching us. And I pray that all our spirits, from me throughout, through the littlest one that's in this building, that you will help us keep uh, humble, teachable, and ready to receive your words. Just yours. And as we explore this, please teach us. Please, Holy Spirit, who leads us to all truth, teach us. Teach us, Holy Spirit, please, we ask. Because we want to, we want to be free. <laughs> we want to be free. We want to run a 100 capacity of freedom and express your love in it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.